share for a few weeks on the kingdom of God. And I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, Jesus said, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And, you know, we, we live in this world, we have to deal with this world, we, we function in this world, but we have to remember that we're also part of a kingdom. And that's hard for us because, you know, we're, what we live in and what we see is tangible. We can put our hands on it, we can feel it, we can, we can experience it. But at the same time, the kingdom of God, which is spiritual, is something that's a little, little harder for us to see maybe. And so I just want to take a few weeks and just look at the importance of the kingdom of God. How important it is. And how, how important is it for us to realize that we, we live and we function and we are part of a kingdom. And of course, you know, if you're part of a kingdom, that means that we have a king. And one of the things I think is hard for us is to sometimes think about being part of a kingdom um, we think about being part of a democracy, and we can kind of understand that because that's what we know. But in a democracy, you have some say. And actually, in a kingdom, the king has all the say. Okay? And so that's a little bit different for us because, you know, being Americans, we want to we wanna have a say on everything. We want to vote, and I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm just saying in the kingdom of God, we have a king. And in the kingdom of God... The king has the say. And then we need to find out what the king wants to do and what the king has for us. And so we're part of a kingdom. Um, in Matthew 4.23, Matthew 4.23, it says, Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So Jesus himself, when he came, it says one of the things he did was he went about preaching about the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. So he was telling people, here's the good news about my kingdom. He, and he said to several places, my kingdom is different than this world. Okay, so we as Christians need to find out what it is that the kingdom of God is all about. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, we need to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we need God's kingdom to come to us and be part of us on this earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus told his disciples, he told them, he says, now I want you to go out and preach. And I believe he tells us the same thing. In Luke 9, 1 and 2, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. So not only did Jesus come and preach about his kingdom, but he then sent his disciples. He says, now I want you to now go out and preach about the kingdom the kingdom of God. And so as Christians, it's important for us to know what is this kingdom? What's it like? What's, what's different about it? Is it different than the world? Is it different than what we see around us? And the obvious answer is yes, it is. But why? What is it that's different? What is it that's different about the kingdom of God? 
And if we're part of the kingdom of God, how am I part of the kingdom of God and function in the world around me? How am I, how am I part of, it's almost like being in two, two places or part of two things. It's like being, it says, Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. So we're part of the world, but we're also part of a kingdom. We're also part of a kingdom. And there's a lot of different aspects to that. Um, in Romans 14, 17, it says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not eating and drinking. It's not the physical. It's not, it's not eating and drinking and what you wear and all the things that we spend a lot of time concerned about. He said the kingdom of God is not those things, but the kingdom of God is things like righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is different. It's not about the physical part, but it's about spiritual things like righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the kingdom of God, when we, when we have a better understanding of what the kingdom of God is, we realize we're part of that. I believe it also then changes how we live in this world. And, and it makes us different than the world. And it makes us have things that the world doesn't have like righteousness, peace, and joy. Being able to have peace in the midst of the storm. Being able to have joy in the midst of distress. You know, being, being, able, to, being able to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of hard times. That's different. That's different than the world. It's not a physical, but it's a spiritual kingdom. Okay? It's a spiritual kingdom. And to be part of a spiritual kingdom, the Bible says in John 3, 3, that we have to be born again to be part of the kingdom of God. Let me, let me just read that for you. And it's very familiar, but it's good to see that, that it's also talking about the kingdom of God. In John 3, verse 3, let me, let me start at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so, so Jesus says to see the kingdom of God, to be a part of the kingdom of God, the first thing is we have to be born again. Why is that? Because he goes on to say to be born again is to be born spiritually. He says, we've been born once with water, but I tell you, we have to be born again by the Spirit because it's a spiritual kingdom. So we're not going to be part of the kingdom unless we're born again. And we have to be born spiritually. The Spirit of God has to come and dwell in us. We have to surrender to Him and accept Him. And when we're born again, when we're born in the Spirit, then we can, then we can see the kingdom of God. Otherwise, you can't even see it. You may kind of know it's there. You may kind of know about it, but you can't see it because it's spiritual. And, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom, okay? And so to, to help us to understand what this kingdom was about and to try to make it clear to us, Jesus told stories. And he told stories called parables. And he told the parables, and he told them about the kingdom, you know, the Bible's full of parables, and that's what we're mainly going to look at in the next few weeks. We're going to look at parables, but understand that the parables are so that we can understand the kingdom. 
They make it clear to us. He tell, Jesus tells a story. And he tells that story so we can have a better understanding of what the kingdom of God is about and how it works and how it works. So I want to today look at a parable in Matthew, the 13th chapter. And that's where we're going to stay the rest of the day in Matthew 13, starting at verse 18. And Jesus, he told the parable, and then in Matthew 13, 18, he tells his disciples, he says, now I'm going to explain this parable to you. So we're going to look at the explanation. He says in, in 18, he says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, anyone, see, it's, anyone hears the word about the kingdom, anyone hears somebody talk about the kingdom, he said, and does not under, understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So he's talking about a man who goes out to sow seed. And you know, when it says sow seed, he didn't have a tractor and a planter. Okay, this is a man who's going out and he's throwing seed. Okay, this, you know, he's, he's throwing seed in various places. You know, when you have a tractor and a planter, you try to stay out of some of the places Jesus is talking about. You try to stay out of the thorns. You try to stay out of the stones. You know, you try to stay out of all those places because you want to plant your seed in good soil. That's different. But this is a picture of a man throwing seed, planting seed. He throws the seed as they did in the old times. And it says the first one is somebody that doesn't understand it, and the seed is thrown by the wayside. And then he says, but he received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on this good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So Jesus says that a sower went out to sow. And he went out and he started to throw seed. He started to talk about the kingdom of God. He started to share with people about the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't pick good soil. And I want you to hear me. You know, sometimes we pick the soil. We go, I think that person would listen to me. I think that person would receive this if I want to talk to them. But I want to tell you something. I don't think we can do that. I so far haven't been able to always figure out who's going to receive the word of God when it's sown. You just don't know. You just don't know. I get surprised sometimes. You know, people say, well, it looked like so-and-so wasn't paying attention during church. I never worry about people paying attention. Never worry about that. You can sleep if you want to. I don't worry about that. It's not up to me. You know, because what I found is you don't know what's going on inside of somebody else. You just don't know. We always have impressions and we always have ideas. And, oh, I don't think they'd ever want to hear that. They would just be negative. They, you don't know. A sower went out to sow. You sow seed. You talk to people. You share with people. You sow. You don't know 
where it's going to be received and how. So that's one place where seed is sown. We think about people. It's, this ground is people, okay? And it's where we share with people. The other thing to think about is that all of us are ground. We're all some kind of ground. And I think for us, the, the important thing to see in that regard is that we need to make sure that we're good soil. We need to make sure that we're good soil so when the word of God is sown, we receive what it is God wants to speak to us. And so there's two ways, to th- two things to think about. The people where we sow and ourselves being good soil so that the word of God can grow. So the first one is, See this sown by the wayside. See this sown by the wayside. It says that it's sown, and it says the wicked one or Satan comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart in somebody's heart. You know, it's it's immediate. It's it's like it was sown, and for whatever reason, something happens, and immediately that that seed is just taken away and, and put down. It could be somebody says something. You know, maybe. Maybe you hear the word of God or somebody hears the word of God and they share it with somebody. Say, hey, you know, somebody told me about this. And somebody says, you got to be kidding. That's the craziest thing I ever heard of. And they go, well, yeah, you're probably right. And they forget about it. The seeds just, it's, it's just nothing happened. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes even as people are in a, in a position to hear the word of God, maybe there's so much distraction in their life or in whatever's going on that, that they don't even, it doesn't even get inside of them. It doesn't even get inside them. Immediately, it's, it's taken away. Immediately, there's just nothing, nothing happens. And it says, sometimes it's sown on stony ground. And it says, this is the one that immediately receives it with joy. So this person hears about the kingdom of God, and immediately they go, wow, that is good. They are excited. And, and this may last for a period of time. It may, it may last for a little bit. Um, they may be caught up in something happening in a crowd. Maybe everybody's kind of caught up in it. Maybe it's something emotional that's got them somehow just caught up in the excitement of what's going on. It's good, and they say it's good, but, you know, just because something's good, and, you know, what do they say about good intentions, you know, well... We had good intentions, but it never took root. It never took root. Never becomes a part of us. It's on stony ground. It's on stony ground. It doesn't get rooted. It doesn't become a part of us. You know, sometimes if our roots, and you've seen plants or things in situations where if they're rooted real shallow, that becomes a real problem, especially if it gets dry out. You know, we don't, we don't like those situations where, where it gets dry, but um, sometimes these people can't endure maybe some difficulty that comes along. Or maybe sometimes they'll say, well, I believe that about the kingdom of God. I believe that, but if something happens in their life that goes against that, they go, well, it must not be true. Must not be true. It's not rooted. It's not a part of them. You know, the kingdom of God, it needs to get down inside of us like God's word needs to get down inside of us so it becomes rooted in us. So that when the storms of life come against us, it doesn't uproot us. It doesn't uproot us. It it stays a part of us. 
so that we can stand during those storms. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. You know, we can have joy even when it snows in April. See, for a lot of you, see, it just ruined your, you know, it just ruined you because it snowed. It's like, oh my goodness. Well, it wasn't the best thing in the world, probably. I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't, I don't know. I'm not in charge, you know. But, you know, sometimes we let things like that ruin us. You know, it's just things happen. Life happens. But we need to be rooted. We need to be rooted. And, and so we can endure those things. But if it's on stony ground, we, we, won't, we won't continue. We won't stay in it. We won't continue to do what it is God wants us to do. And then it says, it falls amongst the thorns. It says, this is the one where they hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Well, I probably would say that this is the one that's happening most around us. This would be my, this would be my pick for saying, this is the problem that we see most of the time. That when the word about the kingdom is preached to people, they receive it, but all of a sudden, life takes over. The cares of the world. The cares of everything we got to do. The cares of stuff. It says the deceitfulness of riches. When does riches become deceitful? Think about it. Does that mean we're not supposed to have anything? Should we all be just poor? Is it wrong to work hard to try to get things, to have things, to, to get ahead? Is that wrong? But when does it become deceitful? When do riches become deceitful? The deceitfulness of riches. I think riches become deceitful when we begin to trust them. When we begin to trust them. And we trust them more than we trust the Lord. And sometimes that's hard not to do. It's hard not to get caught up in that. Because the world around us tells us that we always have to have more. Our whole society is geared on having to have more. I'll never, never forget, I was in sales a long time ago. And I remember being in sales and doing halfway's decent. And the boss, he, he brought everybody in and set us down. And he talked to us one at a time. And he was a real go-getter, which that's fine. And he said to me, he said, what do you dream for? What do you want? And I said, oh, I don't know, not too much. You know, I'm pretty satisfied. And I'll never forget, he says, you're not the guy I'm looking for. You're not the guy I'm looking for. I want the guy that's never satisfied. That no matter how much he has, he always needs more. No matter, think about it. No matter how many sales he has, he always wants more sales. They're not looking for a salesman that says, oh, I'm finally content. Because they want more. And so the world is constantly telling us you never have enough. How much do you need to retire on? I'm telling you, if you look at articles and read articles, they pretty much are going to tell you you don't have enough. You don't have enough. 
you're going to need more. You're going to need more. You, and I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. I'm not saying none of that. But when does it become deceitful? It says the deceitfulness of riches. It doesn't say that God won't bless his people. It doesn't say that. It says that there's a point where it becomes deceitful. And I think that point is when we start to trust it. When we start to trust in that riches. Or maybe we start to worry and think we don't have enough. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Whether I have a lot or whether I don't. You know, that's a kingdom principle. That's a kingdom principle that we can be content in whatever state we're in. I always laugh because people that want to go to Florida, I go, the Bible says you're supposed to be content whatever state you're in. So you're in Ohio, you ought to just stay. I didn't use that on Lane, but I probably should have. But, <laughs> you know, be content whatever state you're in. But, you know, there is a deceitfulness of riches. And if you look at everything around us, you turn the TV on, what is it telling you? It's always telling you you've got to buy something else. I mean, there is billions of dollars being spent trying to convince us of the deceitfulness of riches. It's subtle, folks. It's subtle. I'm not saying don't have a TV, but I'm telling you, be wise. Be wise. Listen to what they're trying to get you to do. Because there is a deceitfulness. There's a deceitfulness to it. And we have to be very careful because it keeps us from the kingdom of God. There's a deceitfulness to thinking we have to work all the time. I'm not saying we shouldn't work, and maybe, probably in this day and age, maybe that's, we're on another extreme, but there's also the extreme of thinking we always have to work all the time to get more, so that we can get more. And what does it do? It keeps you from kingdom principles. It keeps you from the kingdom of God, what God wants to do. And, and I just think in our, in our society now that that's probably the biggest one for us is the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, the cares of the world. There's, there's a song that says, and the things of this world grow strangely dim. I think age has something to do with that. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a point where as you get older, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. They're just not as important as they used to be. I think that happens. But I think for Christians, we have to be very careful that we don't allow things to become important that aren't important. We have to be able to step back and say, well, what's really important? What's really important in life? Where do I put my priorities? Where do I, what are the things I strive for? Or the things that I strive for, do they keep me away from the Lord or draw me to him? You know, do they, do they keep me from doing what God wants me to do? And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll find that, you know, we are on, on thorny soil. That we are in a bad place. And I think it's easy to be in a good place, and I think it's easy to kind of stray and get in a bad place. I think Christians can do that. I think, I think we have to kind of step back and analyze ourselves once in a while. You know? What's driving me? What's, what's important to me? What, what, what really matters to me? Does the kingdom of God matter to me? 
And if we're not careful, then pretty soon we have no time to do things like going to church, pray, study. Priorities become all wrong. Our priorities become not what they should be. And then it says the last one is good soil. And this is someone who hears the word. It says he understands it. And then he bears fruit. He hears it. You know, first you got to hear it. You got to hear it. And then you got to have an understanding. It's got to get inside of you and it's got to become part of you. This is what God's kingdom is. This is what the word of God says. It gets inside of us. And then it says we put it to practice. The Bible says don't be just hearers of the word, but doers also. We have to do what we hear. And then we become fruitful. And we become fruitful. We become fruitful to what? To the kingdom of God. We become fruitful to what God wants us to do. And all of a sudden then our life changes and lives change around us. Because we're going to bear fruit. We're going to bear fruit. Anybody that's part of the kingdom of God and anybody that's hearing the word of God and understanding it and receiving it is expected to bear fruit. That's an expectation. When God plants his word inside of us, he expects fruit. He expects fruit. That's a natural happening. He expects fruit. He expects us to bear fruit. The Bible says some 60, some 30, some 100 fold. Which to me says that then we're all different. We're just supposed to bear fruit. Not all the same, but we're to bear fruit. We're to make a difference where we are. We're to make a difference in the world around us. And for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done, that's what has to happen in us. God's kingdom coming and his will being done is going to be determined on how much his people share the kingdom and become fruitful. If that doesn't happen, then his kingdom is not going to come until Jesus returns. And what's he going to do then? He is going to establish his kingdom. He's going to, then it's going to happen. Then it's done. When he comes back, it's done. He's going to establish his kingdom once and for all. He doesn't need our help at that point, folks. He doesn't need us, you know, he's just gathering us together. He doesn't need us to establish his kingdom because he's going to come back and he's going to establish his kingdom once and for all. Until that time, he expects us to be fruitful. He expects us to be fruitful. Sometimes I think as Christians, we need to, we need to think about, Lord, how do you want me to be fruitful? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to share? How do you want me to share with those? How do you want me to sow seed? Because we're sowers. We're also sowers. A sower went out to sow. We sow the word of God. Where to sow is word. It's not just my job. You know, it's not just up to me to sow the word. But he expects all of us to sow his word. And you can't figure out where to sow it. You just sow where you have opportunity. You just don't know. I love sharing with people that so-and-so's coming to church. I love sharing that sometimes. I won't mention any names, but I love sharing it because sometimes people go, 
they go to church? I love it. I love it. You know what that says? That says that they thought that that ground wasn't good enough to receive the Word of God. And I love it when it becomes good soil. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But we can't determine all of that. All we're to do is sow. So that means if you've got a grumpy old neighbor down the road that doesn't like you and never waves, that that could be good soil. That could be good soil. You just don't know. You just, just don't know. As a matter of fact, well, I, personally, I like to sow in that kind of soil. That's my preference, personally. I'm just, that's my preference. I don't know. Those kind of, that kind of soil seems to respond sometimes better than we think because I don't know that we can always tell what's underneath all that. So don't try to judge all that. Just sow where you have opportunity. Sow in people's lives. And then also think about, what kind of soil am I? What a, how am I responding to what God speaks to me? Am I becoming fruitful? Am I a doer of what I hear? Or do I just hear? Do I just hear? That's why when people leave church, oh, that was a really good sermon. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Does that mean, oh, I like what you said. I heard it. Well, that's good. That's good. But I don't know if that's, that's the ultimate goal. Because the ultimate goal is to be doers of the word. To see people doing what they hear. And that's what God wants from each and every one of us. That we're doers of his word. That we do it. We do it every day. We do it when we're home. We just don't do it when we're in church. We do it at home. We do it wherever we are. We do it when we're least expecting it. We share when we get opportunity. And we sow. Because the sower just went out to sow. The Bible says, when it talks about Jesus in one place, it says, and he went about doing good. That's another, I, I love it. He went about doing good. He just went about doing good. He just went wherever he went. He just did good. Wherever he went, he just sowed. Wherever he, that, that was who he was. That's what he did. And I think that's the way it needs to be to us. The word of God gets inside of us, and it becomes landed in us, and it becomes good soil, and then it becomes fruitful. We just go about doing good. We just go about sowing. We go about doing what God's called us to do. And don't worry about how much. Just do your part. Do what God's called you to do. You know, I don't think we should say, well, I want to be 30, or I want to be 60, or I want to be 100. That's not for us to decide. That's not for us to decide. Our decision is, I'm going to sow. I'm going to sow. And I'm going to sow God's word wherever I get a chance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that we would never forget that we're part of a kingdom. And Lord, we would never forget that you're the king. That's why you said you're the king of kings and Lord of lords. That there is no other kingdom like yours. There's a kingdom of darkness, but it's nothing like yours. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So Lord, help us to, if we're not a part of that kingdom, to, to become a part of that kingdom. We have to be born again by your spirit to be part of that kingdom. So Lord, first and foremost, help us to be part of your kingdom. And then Lord, as we receive your word, I pray that you would help us to let that word land in good soil.
Lord, it would land in good soil so it would produce fruit. And then as we are able, Lord, help us to sow. Help us to sow. Help us to sow maybe where we've never thought about sowing before. Or help us to sow where we've maybe never wanted to sow before. We've actually resisted sowing in places. But Lord, help us to be your sowers of your word so that your kingdom might come and that your will might be done. Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, encourage us, Lord, to receive from you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that, that needs prayer this morning, Lord, encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray for them right after the service over here to my left by the screen. Lord, help them to come up and, and receive prayer that you might minister to them. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, help it to, to just take root and we might be doers of your word and just not hearers only. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, be blessed and enjoy the rest of the snow before it leaves. That's my word.